Sit back and relax. Educate and inform. Cozy conversations, drop the knowledge that's for real. Indigo Studio, always in the know. With Hermine Hartman, you'll be enlightened. National Institutes of Health out with a startling new study. Researchers finding women who use chemical hair straighteners may face a higher risk of developing uterine cancer. While that form of the disease is relatively rare, the study shows people who applied chemical straighteners more than four times a year faced a 4% risk compared to the 1.6% for those who did not use such treatments. For women who were very frequent users, we saw that their risk of developing uterine cancer was about double compared to women who did not use those products. The study tracked more than 33,000 women for almost 11 years. And while researchers did not find race or age had any impact on risk level, they do note the adverse health effects could be more consequential for black women. Hi, this is Hermine Hartman with Indigo Studio. Our episode today is on hair, black hair. And we're going to talk to attorney April Pryor about a lawsuit a class action lawsuit where black women have been getting perms to the consequence of their health. And the health might be cancer of the uterus, um, real health issues, real health challenges. So, April, tell me, how does a perm that you put on your hair or relaxer, I should say relaxer, relaxer that you put on your hair, how does it possibly give you cancer? Yes, that is the question that I get. Yes, that I get most often. So the short answer is anything you put on your skin, anything you put on your body goes into your pores. Anything you put in your pores goes into your bloodstream. And specifically with these products, there's something called phthalates. And phthalates are basically plastic. And they're found actually in black women more than in anybody else because so many of the products that are marketed to us are toxic. Actually, 70% of black hair care products or products targeted to black women are toxic as opposed to other products on the market. But these phthalates, they attack your hormones they make your hormones go haywire and they specifically target your reproductive organs and that's how it is something that you put on the top of your head can affect you and cause infertility can cause cancers can cause fibroids and all these horrible conditions that are now being linked to relaxers so it's going into your scalp yes yeah going into your bloodstream yes and your body is affected Yes. And the more, you know, we always worry about scratching our head so that we don't get these sores. The more scalp sores you had, the more likely you are, because obviously that's more that's going into your bloodstream, more that's going into your scalp. You can be more affected by these disorders as a result of having those sores. And this is from? This is from, yes, this is phthalates are plastics, which are in relaxers. Okay, so that's the that's the ingredient. Yes, they're called endocrine disruptors, meaning those are the things that make your hormones just go nuts and overproduce or overgrow, and that's how we get these growths like fibroids and um, endometriosis and endometrial cancer 
and also ovarian cancer. And there have been separate studies linking all four of those disorders to relaxers. So when did when was this discovered? When when did this correlation become evident? You know what? They've actually been studying us for decades. That's the frightening part. So this most recent study came out October 17th, and it got so much attention because it was done by the National Health Institute, and they had been studying those women for 11 years. Almost 34,000 women of all different races, all different backgrounds from all parts of the country, participated in that study. And they know, and they and they accounted for things like obesity and for diet, obesity and for, too. Yeah, for obesity and diet, and you know, and other uh, environmental factors. And the one factor that they found that increased uh, someone's odds of having endometrial cancer was these hair relaxers. And so the black women in the study were twice as likely to develop endometrial cancer than any woman of any other race. So that's why black women have these cancers more than others. Yes. Is because you can show correlation between hair uh, relaxers and the negative health consequences. Yes. So we start with correlation, and that's where the scientists come in. Mm -hmm. And then in the courts, what we look at is causation. And that's where the battle begins. So we'll have to have additional experts take a look at individual women's cases. So unlike a class action, this is a mass tort lawsuit, meaning this is a whole bunch of individual women filing personal injury lawsuits saying, company XYZ, you injured me. And these are my damages. These are the costs to my health. These are the costs to me financially. And then you have doctors and experts look at that individual woman's case and prove the causation between one thing and the next. And so unlike a class action where we all get, you know, that $2 check, $300 check from Facebook or wherever, these are individual lawsuits where each woman was harmed in a different way. Some had hysterectomies, some had multiple surgeries, some had infertility, some lost children. So all of that will be assessed when these experts take a look at their case and then all of these cases will be heard by one judge because obviously that judge will be considering the same issues over and over and over as it relates to these women. How many women do you think will come forth? How do if if I suspect this has been my situation, this has happened to me, how do I get involved with this lawsuit? What do I do? So what we're telling people to do is to go to hairrelaxerharm.com, hairrelaxerharm.com if you've ever had a relaxer if you are under the age of 60 and you have any of the four conditions that I mentioned, fibroids and had surgery, endometriosis, endometrial cancer, which is a type of uterine cancer, and or ovarian cancer. And I say and or because I'm finding that many women have multiple conditions, not just one. So that's the first step. But there will be law firms all across the country, hundreds all file, yeah, oh yeah, with this suit. Yes, filing claims, and they'll have different, slightly different criteria. How many women do you think will sign up, or what do you? What's a good number for women to sign up for you to go forward? Oh, each firm will probably have thousands of women. I, I personally think that there'll be 
hundreds of thousands, maybe even half a million women. Mm. And just that's just my experience anecdotally from talking to women. I find that just about every other woman I talk to has been affected. So if I want, if I think, if I suspect that I might be such a person, such a woman who has had um, perm relaxer and it has affected my body negatively, I can go to hairrelaxerharm.com and follow the prompts. Exactly. And then Why under 60? Why, why, why? The older the woman is, the harder that. Remember, I said we have to prove causation. Mm -hmm. So the science has proved that there's a correlation between these two things. Mm -hmm. But in the course, you have to prove causation. And the older the person is, and it's harder to to connect those dots. And so we're saying someone under 60. So do you, are you finding, you said out of every two women, one woman, has been so affected in just your own casual uh, survey. But if, is there any demographics to say women living in urban cities more so than women living in rural cities, women living in the South more than the North? Are you finding any, any correlations like that? I did not see that mentioned at all in the sister study. But what I did find is that another study I was reading Generally, women in the South get relaxers more than women in other places. Because of the weather. And women in um, urban areas get relaxed more than women in rural areas. That was a separate study, however. So I'm sure, you know, once we dig into the science more, and the science will continue to develop as the case goes on, Mm -hmm. we'll learn more about that. So is this an American target or uh, women in Brazil get relaxers, women in Africa get relaxers? So are we finding that this is an American thing or is this a global thing? It will have global implications. This lawsuit is for U.S. citizens to file because these are U.S. companies and we're filing in U.S. courts. However, I have had women reach out to me personally from Jamaica, Mm. from Canada, from Australia, all saying, hey, I use relaxers as well for decades. Can I participate in this lawsuit? So if they are an expat, again, an American citizen who moved elsewhere and used one of these products, they can participate in the lawsuit. But anyone else would have to seek out uh, some sort of relief in their own courts. In their own countries. In their own countries. Designated countries. Yes. Now, um, do we see an age criteria you said you're looking for women over under 60 under 60 so why is age important and how the reason i'm asking that is some women girls get perms earlier you see women now you see girls now getting perm at a younger age than it used to be well when you're 18 or when you get in college you can get a perm so now you're seeing we're seeing little girls 10 years old, five years old, getting perms. How will relaxers affect them? Well, that's, it's great that you asked that. Somebody actually sent me a video last week of a two-year-old. Two-year-old with a, a relaxer? Two, a two-year-old. It was an Instagram video. The girl was two years old, and she was in the chair in the salon. And everybody was commenting, and many people were saying, that's child abuse. <laughs> what are you doing? Did you hear about this study? Too young. Uh, too young. And so on average, the women I'm speaking to, though, 
got it at six. So six I'm, years old? Yes. I spoke to several women. Before they set the criteria at 60, I spoke to several women over 60 who had been getting relaxers since they were six or seven years old. So hopefully the one thing that will come as a result of this lawsuit is that people will at least be informed as they go forward. And hopefully many will choose not to put relaxers in their at least six-year-old's head. Maybe they'll wait till 16 or maybe they'll never do it at all. Do the professionals, the beauticians, the do they give us an age appropriateness for getting a relaxer? I think that varies as much as the individual personality. So I was just on a forum with a cosmetologist that I've been working with. Her name is Tanya Nance and she's been doing this for 24 years. She also teaches cosmetology. She said 16 and that shocked me because I had always heard don't do it before a young lady has her first period. So usually 12 or 13, but she said 16 and that she personally would not put it in a woman's, in a girl's head who was under 16. A lot of, a lot of beauticians just wouldn't do that. Yeah, but I think on the flip side, there are many, many who do, who mm-hmm. or moms and grandmothers who do it at home themselves. Okay, now that's a question. Is there a qualitative difference between the relaxer that you get in the salon professionally versus the box uh, perm that you buy at the drugstore? The short answer is no. There's no difference? No. So the difference is... The one that you get at home, and again, I learned this from Miss Nance, <laughs> who used to do my hair, by the way. She's amazing because she moved her entire clientele from relaxed to natural. She did that. But anyway, she told me that the only difference is that you're mixing the products at home. At home, they don't come pre-mixed, whereas if you are purchasing, if you are getting your hair done in a salon and that professional bought it wholesale or went to the beauty supply and got it, that their formula is pre-mixed. So pre-mix versus your mixing at home. It seems to me that mixing at home would be more, quote, dangerous. I know I couldn't do it. That's what I thought, but apparently not. in the salon, but that's not <laughs> the logic of the situation. No, apparently not. Uh-huh. Okay, so now here we are today, and we see kind of a movement, if you will, moving from the relaxer to natural hair. Is that because of the relation that we see, this negative health relation that we see with relaxers? I don't think so. I don't think I think there have been rumblings and whispers that the, quote, creamy crack was bad for you. But I don't think anybody had definitively shown that it was linked to these conditions. So the whole natural hair movement started probably early 2000s. That's when I chopped my hair off and stopped relaxing my hair 23 years ago. And at the time, I was one of the first in my peer group to do so. And so there was no guidance on how to do my natural hair. There were no products that helped me figure out what to do to my natural hair. It was all trial and error. And since that time, it's more common. And you'll actually see younger women who have never had a relaxer, who are there in their early 20s or mid-20s. And so I think that is a, is as a result of trends changing and also us starting to hopefully embrace our natural beauty more as opposed to saying definitively that it was linked to any health conditions, because I just don't think people knew that 20 years ago. So this is recent information. Yes. Really. We'll be right back. we got to take a commercial break. We'll be right back. 
Small businesses are the pillars of our communities, and they deserve our support. The BMO for Black and Latinx Businesses program provides that support by giving you better access to educational resources, partnerships, and funding. BMO has already made an impact by providing financing to more than 1,200 businesses throughout the Midwest. Business owners who are part of the program benefit from a wide range of tools, webinars, and coaching to help you focus on what you do best, and that's growing your business. Meaningful partner connections give you access to professional networks and alternative funding resources to help your business scale. And funding for your business comes with expanded credit criteria and competitive interest rates to help you obtain the working capital that you need to succeed. If you identify as a business or Latinx business owner, BMO Harris is here to help your business thrive and create capacity to grow. Learn more at bmoharris.com slash black and Latinx. When a bank helps you make real financial progress, well, that's the BMO effect. So this is Hermine Hartman with a cozy conversation with attorney April Pryor, and we're talking about hair. We're talking about black women and relaxers and the negative health consequence that it possibly has on hair. Um, we talked about the kind of a, a movement, if you will, on natural to, to, to get the relaxer out of your life, right? But what do wigs and braids and sew-ins, what do they do to the hair? Yeah, that's, that's why I travel with the cosmetologist so she can answer all these questions. In short... It gives you a gives you a way to rest your hair and to protect it from damage, but the hair is also treated with toxins. That is why that's actually why I don't ever add hair to my hair. I've done it like twice, and it was devastating. Me too. <laughs> I did devastated. it. Yes. What did you do? Did you put it like a track in? No, I had twists. I had just longer twists than my natural hair okay. and I left it in and it completely wrecked my hair. What did it and do? So, um, <laughs> did it take your hair out? My hair is very curly. And so my hair locked around the hair that I added. <laughs> my natural hair, instead of shedding away from my head, oh my it, lo- it was awful. <laughs> It was off. The curls just wrapped right around it, and it was it was just ripping noise. That all that's all you heard is I took the stuff out of my hair, and so other women. I have a friend. She had had uh, faux locks put in, and the very next day had to take them out because she was having some sort of allergic reaction to, to the hair. To the hair. To the false. Yes. No, they tell me don't say false. Faux hair. Well, some of it's real. I had real hair. I purchased real human hair. I think her, I don't know if hers was real or synthetic, but yeah. So they're treated with toxins. I guess they're preservatives, and so you might have a sensitivity or an, an allergy to that. But in general, any other um, product like wigs, weaves, etc., uh, crochets, sew-ins, give your hair the opportunity to rest, to not break. Because the more we manipulate our hair, the more it breaks. Our hair tends to be drier than other forms of hair. That way, it can stay moisturized and protected. Okay, so here's the $64,000 question. So we're hearing that go to the salon, 
get your relaxer, it can be harmful. Uh, the cosmetologists tell you you can braid, and it can be the best of braids, but if they're too tight, you're going to take your hair out. You leave the wig, the weave <laughs> on too long, it's going to take your hair out. All right, so what is the ultimate healthy way for black women? Because these are issues that are directly affecting black women. This is a black woman's thing. What do we do to maintain healthy hair? I think you have to find out what is best for you and the best way that you feel most uh, self-expressed. And so for me, that was chopping out the perm, cutting my hair down to two inches and growing it out from there. That is not the way for everybody else. Not everyone else is going to feel beautiful doing that. Not everybody else is going to feel comfortable wearing their hair that way. So you just have to do your best. What makes it hard is the FDA does not have any safety standards or regulations when it comes to any body care products. None, but no cosmetics have no personal care products. So do you think we should have some kind of regulation? I think that would give us guidance. And the other catch-all is, one, the word fragrance on anything is literally a catch-all where they don't have to list the ingredients. They can just say it's, quote, fragrance. And two, the FDA does not even require you to list all of the ingredients in the products. And so I think that pushing for some sort of regulation, now on the one hand, it'll hurt the people with the mom and pop shops who are selling it on Facebook, but it will make all of us a lot safer. If I was we push going to for say, those. but it's a health issue. Yes. So there's no regulation for personal hair care, cosmetics, hair products at all. And so, so, okay, so let's ask the question this way. So what should you look for? It's kind of like read the label. What should I be looking for as I read the label that is, quote, the harm? How do I identify that? That's the, that's the problem. You can't because they don't have to list. So say they have the new thing is listing everything as calling it natural or organic, right? We see that, and they'll charge you $8 more, $10 more. This Mm -hmm. is natural and organic. Well, get this. The FDA also has no regulations, no guidelines for what natural or organic means. (laughs) So they could list the coconut oil and the honey and all the natural ingredients and put anything fake or toxic under the word fragrance and be perfectly well within their rights under U.S. law the way it stands right now. So you never know what you're getting. I mean, for me, I've gone extreme. I make almost everything in my own kitchen. But again... You make, you make your own product for yourself? <laughs> I make my own products in my own kitchen. All right, so get, so and you do this for skin and for hair? <laughs> yes, skin and for hair. Okay, like so I, I'm coming I, to your house. So tell me what you got in your product. No, 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 because I don't want to be held responsible okay. if anybody else tries what I try. But so you got to do what's best for you. Um, and I think, honestly, I mean, this is a great shout out to the ones with the mom and pop shop selling it on Facebook. I actually trust them a little bit more. I'm like, well, you probably don't have access to formaldehyde. It's pure. <laughs> it's a pure product. Okay, so let me bring this up. In the black community, the hair care industry is a billion dollar industry. Mm-hmm. However, uh, it is not controlled by us. 
So when our products get to a certain economic level, a certain production level, the larger companies come by. The companies like L'Oreal, for example, they come and buy. I think I'm thinking of Carol's, uh, Carol's, uh, Carol's daughter, Carol's daughter, Mael just okay. got out, bought Pure out product started mm-hmm. in the bathroom, in the bathtub, uh, doing jars, selling them at church, and so forth. And she grew. She grew tremendously with a series of products. Okay, bought. So, do you think at some point that the larger companies buy, larger companies begin to look at metrics very differently than the ma and pa and the ingredients and so forth. Do they change perhaps the elements that go into these products? They do. That's been a standard complaint. So with Carol's daughter, with Shea Moisture, mm-hmm. um, Mayel got bought out last week. And that's a local Chicago company. And people were saying and there are really two schools one saying, you go, girl, great job. That's great for you. Nice and, money. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And on the other end, hey, this is a product I rely on. This is a product I use. It's going to get changed if it, if it changes hands, regardless of who is the figurehead CEO. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that is typically what happens. And people have said that about Shea Moisture. Not only did they change the formulations, but then they conveniently started changing the marketing and stopped marketing to black women who made them what they are and started marketing to white women with red curly hair and marketing to biracial women and marketing. They had some commercial that basically included no brown skin black woman and people went ballistic and there was no a brown skin. And that's the way the product came to market and was yes, built upon it was all black women that made that. Did product. they change the product? They changed the product. They changed. Well, people are, believe they changed the product. I mean, you can't really prove it because you don't know the difference in the formulations because those formulations do not have to be listed or registered anywhere. But people said the products felt differently. They did different things mm-hmm. for their hair. They didn't, their hair didn't respond in the mm-hmm. same way. So they changed the product. Yes. Same thing with Carol's daughter. Okay. So, and when, and when these companies sell, there's no stipulation to say you cannot change the product. You cannot change my ingredients. I got my $80 million. I'm a happy camper and I can go my merry way and whatever you do with my product that I built, God bless you. Yeah, it will depend on their individual contract. My guess is they have a a Mm -hmm. non-disclosure agreement and we will never know those answers. And a (laughs) no-compete. Yes. So they can't go across the street, make a new product, (laughs) say, here's my original product. So I want to know what you put in your products at home. No, 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 no. no. Mm -mm. You won't tell me at all. I'm not a professional. I don't want any blowback, you know, so the... YouTube videos are there and they can do their own research. So if I think I have had a perm or a relaxer and it has done damage, uh, I can go to hairrelaxerharm.com and register for what will be a lawsuit. Walk me through the lawsuit. How long will it take? What do you expect the, uh, what's your expectation of the lawsuit? We're talking about you as a lawyer filing the lawsuit. Walk me through the process of the lawsuit. So first, I like to tell women, because I've had women who are hesitant to come forward because Mm -hmm. they thought that they had to prove Mm -hmm. that the relaxer in their head then led to these harms. They said, well, I don't know how to prove that, so I won't come forward. No, that's not your job. That's our job to hire the experts to take a look at your individual case to prove that up. So the first thing they do is they go to the website or they can call the number that I'll give out 
And if they go to the website, they will actually be met by a bot. The bot will ask them a series of questions about if they had a relaxer, for how long. For this lawsuit, they had to have had a relaxer at least five years, which shouldn't be a problem because most people I know had it 20 plus years. They're going to answer the series of questions about which of the four conditions they have. And at that point, they will receive a confirmation and then a contract will be emailed to them. After they initially receive that DocuSign contract, it's going to be important for them to check their email regularly. Several days later, they will get a HIPAA release. So we know that that's the privacy release. That's the only way we can get your information from whatever hospital or doctor that treated you is for you to sign off on that as well. So don't think that you contacted the bot, hey, I'm going to make my million dollars in two years off this lawsuit. One, your payout will never be anywhere near a million dollars. It will be much less. Two, it's going to take much longer than two years. And three, you're not even a part of the lawsuit until you actually sign a contract give us your HIPAA release and follow up with the attorney. So you're looking for cases where there is medical evidence. But suppose I think maybe I had fibroids or maybe I didn't, you know, I experienced infertility. How, do, how, do, how does a woman like that participate? The first thing I would suggest you do is go to your doctors because 90% of black women have fibroids. Are the doctors but, seeing this relationship? Are they recognizing this relationship? You go to your doctor and say, I have fibroids and I think I got it from some relaxers that I put in my hair. Is the doctor recognizing that? No. I've had some women tell me that their doctors told them years ago, get rid of your relaxer because they personally believe that it caused Mm -hmm. fibroids and endometriosis. But the doctors are just now finding out like we are as they're reading these studies. The scientific proof. Yes. They're reading. They're reading these studies and now that they are now they are seeing the nexus themselves. Is it better for you to perhaps have a black doctor that notices that or are white doctors noticing that with black patients? Well, this is what I mean, that's a whole other discussion. So black women die from all cancers higher rate 90% higher rates than all other races. Mm -hmm. And that's for a variety of reasons. It's because we wait to get care. And then when we get care, we don't get quality care. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes our voices aren't heard. Oftentimes our pain is ignored. And obviously that's going to be more so the case if you're going to a doctor who is not a black doctor. A black doctor oftentimes is who we seek out for our second opinion after we've gone to uh, some other doctor and they're saying that you must have a hysterectomy or you must have this severe um, treatment and then you seek out the second doctor, a black doctor. I, I personally think that you're going to get better care, that you will be listened to if you go to someone, um, especially a black woman going to a black woman who's a gynecologist. I know a number of black females. So not only a black doctor, but a female black doctor. In terms of your gynecological health, I think so. Mm-hmm. Your mm-hmm. reproductive health, I think so. Mm-hmm. How long do you think this lawsuit will take? Five years. At least five years or five years on the head? I think it'll be very close to five years just because we're just at the beginning right now. Mm -hmm. So the study just came out in October. I think the first lawsuit was filed maybe two weeks after that. And so the first step moving forward will be for one judge 
to have have all of the cases around the country consolidated in front of one judge and in front of one uh, court. And so that is happening later this month where we will find out where all these cases will land. And then you're really just getting started. So a five-year lawsuit. Yes. And you can go to hairrelaxerharm.com. Yes. Is there a phone number you might call? Yes, you can call 312-261-6193. Again, 312-261-6193. And you'll be asked the same series of questions. How long you had a relaxer? If you happen to know the brand, you don't have to know the brand. And then what conditions you've been diagnosed with. So this can't be, oh, I think something's wrong. I got a pain in my tummy. No, you have to go and get a diagnosis. You can't have a toe ache. First. You got to have a real thing. You got to have <laughs> go, proof. Go get a diagnosis. Is first. this for all uh, companies that have manufactured hair relaxers? No. Across the board, or is this a particular company? The, the big major companies. The major companies, yes. the larger companies, mm-hmm. the household names. April, this is amazing and uh, informative and something that I think we need to pay attention to. Be alert. Black women, be alert. Here we go again. It only affects or it affects black women more so than it does others. But thank you so much. Thank you for joining us in a cozy conversation to give us some really pertinent information uh, about what you're putting in your hair, what you're putting it on your skin, how it gets into your bloodstream, and how it might be harmful. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is Ramin Hartman with Indigo Studio with another cozy conversation.